You know, back about six months ago, um, we were able to complete, maybe it's been eight months ago, we were able to do some work on the inside of this building. And it's so nice in here. And also, in addition to that, we were able to do some other things, begin some things that we've wanted to do for a long time. And uh, uh, we've gone to live streaming some services, not because we're putting on some kind of a deal that we want everybody to see. And we work 40 hours or 60 hours a week trying to put on a performance. So we change all these things around. But we have people that are scattered all over the place that, that um, sometimes they can't be here on Sunday morning. Sometimes they're sick or sometimes they're shut in or sometimes they're traveling or sometimes they're in another part of the, part of the world and just can't be here. And um, so it gives them an opportunity to be here. Some of our partners in India or in Africa or in Haiti or Nicaragua from time to time will tune in and be part, and they feel like they're part of the Heritage family. And uh, it's a blessing for us uh, to be able to do that so that they can join in. And I think I had shared with you when Jack and I were in India, they've gone to naming these villages, the churches that they're beginning, they're naming them Heritage Churches. Isn't that something else? And I, I, what a blessing it is. And, um, and so it's a privilege to be able to partner uh, and to be involved in their lives in such a huge way. And so thank you for your gifts and your tithes and offerings that allow us the opportunity to do that. Uh, what a blessing that it is. And that time when you're traveling and when you're on the road and you can't be here, you have an opportunity to join in and be with us as well. Uh, technology is something, isn't it? It is something else. So turn in your Bibles to the book of Numbers because in just a little bit, I'm going to be there. And uh, I'm, going to, uh, I'm going to share some things from several passages of Scripture in reference to what we're going to, um, we're going to be working on today. But before we do that, last week we started a series on, on breaking away um, listen, there is so much junk that goes on in life and it's easy for that junk to get to the place that it just gets lodged down in our hearts in the deepest parts of our hearts. And in those, those dark places, that stuff that we think we may be over or that stuff that we, we may think that we've sort of, uh, bypassed, um, it has a way of surfacing down the line. Some of you guys are shaking your heads going, yep, been there, done that. And, uh, you know, as I, as I look around in my own life, um, that stuff that has a way of getting lodged down in our hearts, it will become exposed at some point in time. And, it may, and you, know who is it, you know who's at stake is the relationships of the people that are around us. They're at stake. And a lot of times we think, well, maybe I'm over it or I've hidden it or whatever, it, whatever else it may be. But let me just say this. It's never hidden. It's never hidden. And so those issues of the heart is what we, what we are talking about. And how, how do we break free from those things that may be holding us in bondage? And we started out last week talking about the heart, specifically the heart itself, and not just the physical heart, which pumps blood, which sits at the, at the center of our cavity and, and uh, and uh, sustains our life, but we also talked last week about the spiritual heart, the seat of our emotions, our desires, how we make decisions, how we learn, how we, or how we live, how we love, how we uh, carry out our business, 
how we parent, all of those things flows from the spiritual heart. And we heard the words from Jesus last week as he said this in Matthew chapter 15. He said, the words you speak come from your heart and that's what defiles you. And if you really want to know what's deep down in a person's heart, all you got to do, Rachel, is just spend a little time listening. But I'm going to have to be honest. I'm not the best of listeners. I do a whole lot better job talking sometime than sitting down and listening. But here he is saying, listen, if you really want to know what sits down or what's at the center of somebody's heart, the only thing you have to do is just listen. Because if you listen, it doesn't take long before after a while, you'll know what sits at the center of somebody's life, where they are. And Jesus went on to say it was from the heart that evil thoughts murder. Here's some examples. Murder, adultery, immorality, sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander, that all these things have a, have a tendency to flow. And they come not from the mind, but they come from the heart. And we followed up those verses last week by saying that early on in life, it's easy for us to develop a system of filters, a system of filters that, that tells us and, and leads us, you know, how, do we, how we should act and how we should monitor our behavior. And we do that based on what, what environments that we're in. Because, listen, I know there's some conversations that you'll have with your buddies that you won't have with your mom. There's some conversations that you'll have for some other people that you won't necessarily have with your pastor. Even though I've heard a lot of things in my life. But the issue isn't how how do we respond on the outside, but everything leads back to the heart. It's not how your things are going on the outside, but how are things going on the inside? Do you have a clean heart? And we tend to do a good job of talking about doing better, being better, or making sure that everything is right. And we don't talk enough about the conditions of the heart and what's going on inside of the heart. And Jesus said, listen, you need to pay attention to what's going on in your heart because that's where everything flows. That's where everything comes from. And in addition to the words of Jesus, we saw last week in the words of Solomon that he spoke years before in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter four, verse 23. And I told you, I said, man, this is a great verse, a great verse to memorize. If you're into memorizing scripture, which I hope that you are, that you're hiding God's word in your heart so that you don't sin against him, that this is one of those verses that you would love to memorize because it's pretty simple. I almost want to have my son Caleb stand up and, 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 and recite it for you. But I don't want him to stumble or him be embarrassed about it. But we've been practicing it this week because what he says is, above all things, in light of everything that Solomon said that he had discussed, in light of all things, Steve, this is what Solomon said. Listen, guard your hearts. Guard your hearts. Protect your hearts. Watch after your hearts. Why? Because he said, listen, for it is the wellspring of life. Everything flows from it. That we've got to go beyond from just monitoring our behavior and monitoring our actions and and acting a a certain way around this group of people and acting a certain way around this group of people to guarding our hearts and to paying attention to what's going on. Because it's just so easy for the stuff of life to just get lodged in. And let me tell you what, it's amazing what grows in dark places. And how those things that you may think that may just be seated there for a moment in time or a season has a way of taking root. And it doesn't take long for a tree that produces, that gains roots to eventually produce fruit. And to end up holding us hostage. So there's a lot of stuff that we could talk about over the next several weeks. A lot of stuff. 
A lot of things, a lot of issues of life, but I've chosen just a few to maybe talk about. Some of those things that have a way of, of becoming lodged in our, in our hearts. And one of the issues that we're going to talk about today, not only this issue, but most of these issues that we're going to talk about are best understood in between a relationship, what's called a debt and a debtor relationship. This is what it says in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7. This is in relationship to resources. He says, just as a rich ruled the poor, so the borrower is a servant to the lender. Lender. In other words, there is a person who owes and there is a person who is owed. And when we constantly live with that attitude of I owe you or you owe me, let me tell you something, relationships are affected. They're affected. There's no way around it. And it's easy to understand this from a financial perspective because we live in a financial world where it's easy to be in financial debt. And there's a lot of people that go way down deep into financial Debt, But it's not just financial here that we're talking about, but it's also emotional and relational debt. Because let me tell you what, they also accrue interest at a staggering rate. Some of you know exactly what I'm discussing. And when you've got somebody that owes or somebody that is owed, there's a sense of this imbalance that's created, a tension that's created. And there's only two ways to really resolve it. Number one, pay off the debt. Or number two, for somebody to cancel the debt. That's it. There's only two ways to, re- to resolve that type of attention when there's, a, when there's a debt and there's a debtor. Somebody's either got to pay it off or somebody's got to assume it and to forgive it. I want you to think about this just for a, a second. Anybody ever loaned somebody something and not only did you get it back, but you were unsettled and it bothered you? And you couldn't seem to get over it. There's a lot of you looking at me like gone. Some of you are guilty on the other hand because you are the one that's owing. But it has a way of destroying us. Causing that imbalance. To do something that you didn't want to do. Anybody ever done that? But you did it because you knew that you owed somebody something. You went way out of line to do something that you did not want to do wasn't even anywhere, anything that you liked to do, but you did it because you felt like you owed somebody. That's what guilt does. Guilt says, I owe you. And that's what I want to talk to, about, talk to you about today. Guilt says, I owe you. Listen, I, somewhere along the line, I've messed up. I've blown it. I have done something I shouldn't have done. And now all of a sudden, I feel indebted to you. This is what the dictionary and how it defines guilt. This is what the dictionary has to say. A feeling of responsibility or remorse for some offense, crime, wrong. Whether real or imagined. How many of you have used these words before? Man, listen, I'll pay you back. I promise you I'll pay you back. But about these words. Listen, man, I I tell you, I'm going to make it up to you. Um, Man, I, I owe you one. I owe you one, brother. How many examples of guilt can we have to come up with? What about the father who happens to to walk away from his family and now he tries to buy back the love of his children through resources? Does it pay off the debt? No. What about the people who lose a loved one, but that loved one wasn't too loved while they were along on this earth and so now they try to buy, buy back the love because they can't make up the time so they have this humongous funeral and they spend all these expenses 
I've seen it before. I've seen it. We can spend money to reduce the debt, but it doesn't buy us freedom. The feeling of indebtedness caused by guilt will destroy us. Guilt can cost us more, though, than a monetary exchange. For some reason, guilt may be the only reason that you're attending church. And if guilt were ever to be removed, you'd quit coming. Because up until this point, it's the only motivator in your life. But when we look at the scriptures, man, I am so thankful that when we look at the life of Jesus, Jesus was not a guilt. He was not, he didn't motivate us by guilt. He didn't go around trying to pass out guilt or manipulate people. But if there's anybody that could have, it would have been Jesus because he just didn't know what took place, what, what we did or how we acted. But he also saw the, the thought behind those actions. But Jesus chose not to try to guilt us or to manipulate us. As a matter of fact, this is what Paul said in Romans chapter 2. This is what Paul said to the church at Rome. He said, don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Doesn't sound like God's trying to guilt us into life change, but he's trying to love us into life change, doesn't it? How many times do we use the issue of guilt inside the home to try to guilt our kids to do something? But that only maybe worked for a season. Listen, if you'll do this, then I'll do that. You ever done that before? Listen, if you'll, if you'll do this, then I tell you, what I'll do is this over, over here. But manipulation doesn't last for long. So guilt says, for whatever the reason I owe you, I have offended you, I've wronged you, I have hurt you, and those feelings, whether real or perceived, will hinder our relationships. And guilt is that inner sense in a person's heart when there is recognition that I have done something wrong and I owe and I am indebted to another person. And that's what guilt is, but that is not how we experience guilt. Guilt is like a weight. It's like a burden that, that just sort of holds us down. It seems to follow us and we can't seem to get rid of it. It's, it's like a, a fog in the midst of the day. Anybody ever said something that you shouldn't have said, done something that you know that you shouldn't have done, but you did it anyway? And it began to eat away at you? You couldn't seem to get away from it? Stuck with you. Some of you may even be in that situation this morning. That, but then there's that moment that you say, nope, I'm not doing it no more. I'm not going to carry it around any longer. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, to hold this weight anymore because I just can't do it. And even though as embarrassing as it may be, regardless of how I, I treated them or, or how I acted, listen, I'm not going to ignore it any longer, but I'm going to own up to it. I'm going to acknowledge the pain and the hurt that I've caused and the debt that has been incurred. And how many times have I heard conversations with people that are at that place to saying, no more, I'm not going to deal with this anymore. I'm going to confess it. I'm going to acknowledge it. And in the midst of the conversation with them, they'll say something like this. Man, I, I feel like a weight's been lifted off of my shoulders. Just had a conversation with this the other, with a person the other day. Said, I just feel like, man, the weight of the world is off of my shoulders. I feel like I'm free again. I'm free again. And something that we may not realize 
or even believe is that the guilt that we happen to pick up when we're in high school or, man, when you're in college and don't acknowledge or deal with it, it has a tendency to resurface. Resurface. That night in college when you thought nobody was looking and it ended up costing you more than you thought it would cost. Or that guilt that you happened to pick up when you thought your wife wasn't paying attention and the reason that she wasn't paying attention is because she trusted you. And now you find it very difficult to even be able to communicate with her or look her in the eye because of the guilt that just seems to weight you down. Man, it's awful quiet in here today. But it's not just husbands. It's wives too. And here's the deal. As long as we've got this unresolved guilt, it will impact the way that we not only relate to God, but also how we relate to others. And you not, may not be able to see it inside of yourself, but I promise you this, you can see it in the lives of other people. And on one hand, we can be thankful for the guilty feelings because those guilty feelings can drive us to seek forgiveness and reconciliation. But on the other hand, the longer we carry guilt around, the easier it is for our hearts to become calloused and hardened. But some people may say, Sid, you... <laughs> You have no earthly idea. You have no idea. You don't understand what I'm carrying around. You don't understand the choices in my life that I've made. You don't understand the extra weight that seems to be upon my shoulders because there's no way that I can go back and I can change the past. There's no way that I can undo what has been done. So why even try? Why should I try? And that's where we come back to saying this, that guilt is a heart issue. It's a heart issue. And the longer it stays in the shadows and the darkness and the crevices of our hearts, it will grow. And yet, it has a tendency to dissipate and be destroyed when it's brought into the light. But to think about bringing to light that which has been hidden in the darkness... Man, <laughs> that can cause an awful lot of shimmering, can it? Shaking in our shoes. Because again, there's only two ways to handle guilt. And we talked about it earlier. That tension, there's only two ways to handle it. Number one, to find yourself with a debt that you owe. Only two things that you can do. Number one, to find the person that you've wronged and make it right. To find that person, to seek them out. The person that you've wronged, to go to them and make it right. But that can be hard if that person, if you can't find them, if that person is deceased. The second thing is to ask the person that you've wronged or lied to or stolen or robbed to forgive you. To cancel the debt. See, the only problem with both of those, both of those solutions is this going to require something from us. Require something from us that is extremely difficult. And some of you know what I'm talking about because you've experienced it before. You've participated in it. Confession. Because confession is what breaks the control of guilt. Confession has a way of breaking the chains that, that guilt causes. Confession is like a spotlight that shines down into the darkest of places where that stuff from the past, that guilt happens to live, where that junk can hide out and take root. And how many of us today in this room or people that you know are carrying around that guilt? 
And it's yet to be exposed to the light because you're fearful. And so at this point in time, up until this point in time, and season and even on this day, on June the 10th, 2018, you've chosen to just hide and to remain in bondage instead of being free. When you look at God's word, we're going to find out in just a minute that it has an awful lot to say about confession. Not just confession to, to our Heavenly Father, but the Bible talks an awful lot about confession, maybe more than what you think. Not just confession to God, but confession to other people. But we live in a religious culture that says, listen, if I just tell God everything will be okay. Bob, if, I just, if, if I've hurt Bob, if I've wronged Bob, I don't have to necessarily go to Bob, but I can just go to a pastor or I can just go to somebody that's close to God. I can go to God and I can, I can tell God and, and God will make it all right. But that's not really what the scripture has to teach. We're going to find that out in just a second. But the main teaching about confession isn't just about telling God stuff that he already knows because he already knows it. Listen, have you ever heard that thing, mama's got eyes in the back of her head? <laughs> Driving down the road, stop it. I mean, how did she even know anything was going on? She wasn't even looking in the mirror because mama's got eyes in the back of her head. I mean, how in the world moms seem to be able to pick up all kinds of stuff like antennas that just sort of float around. They can see all kinds of things. And mama, she's always seems to be in tune to what's taking. You may think you may get away with stuff, but mama knows. Mama knows. See, mama knows the things that you don't even think. Mama knows. And just like mama knows, God knows. He knows. You don't have to tell him anything. He already knows. He knows it all. He sees it all. But if you wanted to break free from the bondage of guilt, we need to be willing to go to the person that we feel that we have offended or wrong. And with that in mind, I want you to go to Numbers chapter 5. Numbers chapter 5, because I want to read to you a little bit about what it has to say here and what Moses had to say in reference to what God was telling him. And here in the book, God gives us the instructions about the people of Israel. And here they are, how to live and how to get along with one another. And man, what they said then is still applicable to us today. And specifically, how to deal with the issue of guilt. And so this is what he says in the beginning there in Numbers chapter 5, verse 5. He says, then the Lord said to Moses, okay, so this is, this is coming from the Lord. This is what the Lord said to Moses. He's saying, listen, this is how I want you to act. I want you, this is how I want you to respond. This is how I want you to live. And he said, give the following instructions to the people of Israel, to my people. Those of us that are believers in this room, you need to heed this because this is what God's word has to say. If any of the people, men or women, betray the Lord by doing wrong to another person, they are what? Guilty. Guilty. Well, what are they supposed to do? We're not going to like this. Verse 7, they must confess their sin and make full restitution for what they have done, adding an additional 20% and returning it to the person whom was wronged. So God says, okay, when a person sins against another person, don't just tell me, but go to the other person that you've wronged and confess it. And he says, make restitution. By the way, add 20% to it. Now listen, if you really want to get real about this, this sort of puts a damper on us wanting to treat people bad because, man, we don't want to pay that extra 20%, right? We only treat people wrong because we don't want to pay them back. But what happens if we had to confess it and we had to pay them back and not only pay them back, but to give 20 more percent? I mean, come on, people, be real. 
If we live like that, we'd think a little bit more how we treated people. In other words, from the very beginning, God says, listen, when you sin against another person, just don't tell me and I'll take care of it. That's not what he said. And we see this teaching carried out in the New Testament in the story of Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. If you want to turn there, I'm not going to read those passages for you today. But here's a wee little man, a wee little man who was a tax collector, a wee little man who was not thought of very much, but he hears that Jesus is around. He knows that there's something that Jesus has got going on that's really special and he wants to see Jesus. And so what does he do? He's a wee little man and a wee climbed up in a sycamore tree. Yeah. So he climbed up in the tree because he wanted to see Jesus. Jesus comes walking by and he sees Zacchaeus. And what does he say? Zacchaeus, you better come down because I'm going to your house today. And so here's Jesus in this interaction with Zacchaeus, a tax collector, a person who'd been ripping people off, taking advantage of him. And there's an engagement that takes place between Jesus and Zacchaeus. He tells him he's going to his house and somewhere, somewhere along the line, something takes place. Listen, something happens. Something happens. And in the midst of it, there was something that took place in his heart. Because that's what happens to somebody who has a personal encounter with Jesus. See, you want to know in a minute why Zacchaeus is going to act the way that Zacchaeus does? It's because he has a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. And if you've had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ, I didn't say if you were religious. I didn't say if you know some religious people. I didn't say if you've been to a Bible study, if you serve in some type of a, of a position. But I said when you have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ, things change. Your life changes. Your thought patterns begin to change. Why? Because a personal encounter with Jesus Christ changes everything. That's why. And so here it is. Zacchaeus, and, and, Jesus didn't re, and, and, and Jesus didn't respond to him the way that we might think he would respond. But here's, here's Zacchaeus saying, listen, I'm not only going to give half of my possessions to the poor. I'm not only going to repay those that I have robbed in collecting taxes, but I'm going to give them back four times as more. Now, what did the law say? The law said 20%. But he says, no, I'm going to give them back four times, four times as much. And Jesus didn't say, listen, you don't got to do that, man, bro. It's not that big a deal. Didn't say that at all. You don't have to do that. It's not a big deal. All you got to do is just tell me because God and I are connected. No, he didn't say that. But what Zacchaeus did was a very big deal because his actions were proof that God was at work in his life. And when you have confession that takes place, it is a proof that God is at work in your life because humility and brokenness, that's from God. And Zacchaeus was saying with his confession, listen, to all those people that I've wronged, to all those people that I've stolen from, I'm going to own it and I'm going to make it right. I'm not just going to tell Jesus, but I'm going to right the wrong. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to right the wrong. And when Jesus heard what Zacchaeus was saying, he said this. Jesus said, salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. In other words, what he was doing was by faith, Zacchaeus was saying that I believe who you are, and by faith, I am going to respond. And there's another time when Jesus was teaching at the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, if you want to turn there quickly, in chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. 
Jesus is speaking and he says, listen, if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone is something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar and go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God, which we might say, you mean, I thought that I had to get things right with God first before I got right with the other person. Uh-uh. Why? Because God already knows. God already knows exactly what's going on in your heart. Knows exactly what's going on in your heart. But if there's something that's going on between you and another person, you just don't talk to God about it. But you've got to be willing to make it right, to go to them, and then go back to the temple, and then make your sacrifice. Then this is what James, the brother of Jesus, says. We, we say this all the time. Confess your sins one to another. He didn't say go to God first. He didn't say it was a good idea, but it was a command. Confess your sins one to another. And he says, and pray for one another. Why? So that you can be what? So that you can be what? Healed. Confess your sins one to another and pray for one another. Why? So that you might be healed. You know why? Because guilt is a sickness. And you know what guilt does? It destroys our heart. See, we think plaque destroys our heart or, or all those other enzymes and, and all that other kind of stuff, high blood pressure. Guilt will destroy your heart. Confess your sins one to another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Pray for one another. Confess your sins so that you can break free from the guilt that holds you in bondage. Because the goal of confession, listen, the goal of confession is not so that I can have a clean conscience. The goal, the goal of confession isn't just so that I can have a, 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 a better feeling, that I can things, can things can feel better. But here's the goal of confession. The goal of confession is a changed life. Man, I want to be different. I don't want to be held in bondage. I don't want to be weighed down by all that stuff. But I want to be changed. And how many of us are good at telling God and telling him what we've done, but we have a hard time going to the person that we've wronged? or that we've hurt. And as a result, we're still carrying around that stuff and we're hurting. The goal isn't a clear conscience. It's not getting something off your chest, but it is heart change. And what we find in the scriptures is that God is more concerned with our heart than he is momentary relief of pain or guilt. God wants us to live a life from the standpoint of purity. You know why? Because he knows that everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that comes out of our mouth and all of our actions flow from the heart, from the heart. And if you got unresolved guilt that you're dragging around from day in and day and out, relationship to relationship, we don't have to do that. But you can break free. You can break free from that bondage. And the door to freedom comes through confession. Not just to God, 
but the one that we have hurt or we have wrong. And again, some of you may be saying, Sid, that's, that's really good. That's great. But again, you have no idea. My life's a little bit more complicated than that. It's a little bit more complicated than something that took place back in high school. Um, because, see, I just didn't cheat on a test. I, I've happened to cheat on my, my spouse. It's a lot more complicated. And I love the Bible verses, and I see what you're saying, and I, and I hear what's going on. But listen, if I go to my spouse and I happen to reveal to them and tell them what I did, do you know what that will do to them? And this is hard and this is true. Confession is not what hurts people. Sin is what hurts people. Did you hear that? Confession is not what hurts people. What hurts people is sin. That's what hurts people. Secrets hurt people. And how many times do we not confess because we are so afraid of the consequences? Anybody want to raise their hand? <laughs> and it could be something as small as Brian playing golf in the house and breaking mama's favorite picture. He told me that this week. I thought I was going to die. I hope your mom knew that, by the way. <laughs> and I said, well, man, what'd you do? He said, he said Brian, I, I swept it all up. I cleaned it all up. And I think he said years later, she said, Brian, I thought I had glass in that picture. You know, they didn't have cameras, by the way, back in that time. They could see what was going on while you weren't there. But think about that. It may not, it may be something so much bigger, something so much bigger. But it can be so easy to drag that junk around and to pack it away in the crevices of our heart, hoping that nobody will find out, nobody will see and you may be able to cover it up for a season. But there time, that time will come and it will be exposed. And it may be a long time. But what's hidden in the heart will eventually be exposed. And I can promise you this, regardless if it's ever exposed or not, it will impact the relationships that we have along the journey. It's like the little boy who's with his sister at grandma's house. They go to visit grandma, they eat breakfast, and after breakfast, they go outside to the chicken yard, and they're playing around, and little Susie, you know, she's off doing her little thing, and little Johnny, he's throwing sticks and having a great time, and you know how boys are. Did something he shouldn't have done. It's like as soon as it left his hand, he knew it was the wrong thing, and he hit grandma's prize chicken right in the head and killed it, dead as a doornail. I mean, that chicken was dead. He looks around, can't see anybody. Feathers all over the place. He starts picking up all the feathers. He gets, picks them all up. He takes that chicken and he finds a shovel and he buries the chicken. And when he gets done, he gets through patting it down so nobody would know. He puts some grass and stuff over the top of it. And he turns around and there's his sister standing right there. And she said, I saw everything. And if you don't do what I tell you to do, I'm going to tell grandma. Lunchtime comes, they're sitting around the table, they get done with lunch, and she says, okay, little Susie, she said, you can help me get the dishes and stuff, right? She said, oh, no, she said, Grandma, she said, little Johnny wants to help you today. He came to me and said he'd like to be able to help Grandma do the dishes, and Grandma said, is that true? She says, oh, yes, ma'am, I'd love to do the dishes today. That night around the supper table, they got through eating supper, 
Grandma said, well, listen, Susie, you can help me. No, Grandma, she said, Johnny said he wanted to help you again. Is that right? Yes, ma'am, I'd love to be able to help you. And this went on for a couple of days to finally Johnny broke. He started crying at the table. Grandma, I'm so sorry. I killed your prize chicken. And she said, honey, I, I saw that. Well, Grandma, what in the world do you mean you saw? She said, well, honey, I was eating after breakfast. I was cleaning the tables. I was looking out the window. I saw you when you killed that chicken. He said, well, Grandma, why in the world didn't you say something? He said, I just wanted to see how long you were going to let your sister hold you at bay. The consequences to confession are tangible. They are real. They will hurt. There's usually an immediate impact, and they, 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 will, um, they will influence or have, a, have a, um, an impact on a handful of people. But listen to this about the consequences of hidden sin. Not only the hidden sin, but the guilt will impact most of all our relationships for a lifetime. And how many of us are carrying around hidden guilt from something that's happened in the past and you're walking with it and you're still not over it? And you know what? It's impacting your relationships. Not only your relationship with other people, but most importantly, your relationship with God because there's some stuff you need to go fix. And you think your relationship with God is right? It's not. I remember that phone call many, many years ago. And... Uh, said, we need you at the house immediately. I got to the house, and uh, it was chaos. There was an accident. There were fatalities, and nobody knew who did it, except I was standing in front of the person who did it. They had left the scene of the accident. And I remember the conversations, and I remember the thoughts, and I remember... Everything that was taking place. And I remember what God brought to my mind. As I was there, God spoke to me. And in the midst of that time, I said, you can be free, yet be in prison. Or you can be in prison and be free. I'll say that for you again. You can be free, yet be in prison. Or you can be in prison and yet be free. Eventually, this person would walk through a time of confession. And I was there that day that he stood before a judge and before the family members of those that were killed. When he confessed to them what had taken place. It was a terrible situation and that person was sentenced to many years in prison. But he was free. He was free. Even though he was in prison, he was free because he had confessed. As difficult as it was and as tangible as those consequences were, he said, I don't want to live in this kind of bondage. And he confessed. And I remember some of the conversations that we would have back and forth during that time. And he would remind me, Sid, I'm in prison, but I'm free. I'm in prison, but I want you to know that I'm free. Now, let me just finish up by saying here to, to you today, I don't have a clue what's going on behind the scenes of some of, your, some of your lives. But God does. Some of you I do know, but I still don't know everything. So you don't know what's going on behind the scenes of my life. 
But God knows. He knows exactly everything that's going on. I don't know the weight that you're carrying around. I don't know what it is that you might be trying to hide. I don't know what it is that you're trying to keep secret in your life. But I do know this. The guilt will destroy you. It'll weight you down. It'll hinder your relationship with God, but it'll also hinder your relationship with other people. But I want to just say these as I close out. Four thoughts. Maybe you're here today and you're saying that, uh, Sid, I just don't want to carry this around no more. I want to experience freedom. I want to break free from that junk that's been hidden in my heart, and I want to experience freedom. Just four things, and I'll share them with you really quickly. Number one, I want to write these down. Don't ignore it anymore. Whatever it is that's weighting you down, whatever it is that you're holding on to, that you have been holding on to, whatever that, that, that IOU is, don't ignore it any longer, but acknowledge it. Acknowledge it. You can continue to hold on and stuff things back into the crevices of your heart, but realize at some point, that stuff that's back in the dark crevices will be exposed. Today is an opportunity for you on June the 10th, 2018, to make a decision to begin a process of breaking free. Not to clear your conscience, but to change your life. And I love the words here that we find in the Psalms. Psalms, Psalms chapter 32, verse 3, when David cried out, When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night your hand of discipline was heavy upon me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all of my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. But let's just not settle with confession to God, not just willing to acknowledge it, but what about this, number two? Confess it to somebody. It may not be the person that you wrong, but confess it to somebody. James 5, 16, confess your sins one to another. You may not be at the place that you're ready to go all out and to approach the person that you've hurt or you've wronged, but you're willing to move in that direction by, by going to somebody that you know that you can trust Somebody that you believe that has your best interest at mind. And step three, I know this is hard. <laughs> this is hard. This is, this is really hard. But if you're desiring for heart change and not just a clear conscience, number three, confess to the person that you've hurt. Be willing to go to that person that you've wronged, that you've deceived, that you've lied to, that you've taken advantage of, that you have robbed, and tell them. Tell them. Tell them if you're ready and if you're willing to break free. Matthew 5, 23, listen, if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone is, is something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifices to God. And this is the last thing. Be willing to make restitution when possible. Going back to the story of Zacchaeus, be, be, be ready to make restitution. And I know there are lots of situations, and I know that there are lots of, 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 uh, of, of, of ways where restitution may not be totally possible. But there are situations where it is. See, some of you have borrowed money or if you've, you've borrowed something from somebody and you've not repaid it. It's time to go get it done. 
There are those situations where, where restitution can be made. And when you do, you will be better poised to break free instead of carrying around that weight. But you've got to be willing to forgive yourself as well. But not until you're willing to acknowledge. And so we're back to the question that we ended up with last week. How's your heart? You got any secrets? Anything that needs to come to light? Anything that's going on behind the scenes that needs to be addressed? You carrying an unnecessary load? Any guilt that's weighing you down? It'll cost us. It'll cost us. But not only us, those around us that love us the most. Maybe there's a conversation that needs to be had. Maybe there's a phone call or a visit that needs to be made. The only thing I can say is this. I know the consequences can be hard. I know that the consequences to confession are very tangible. And they're real. And they're many times immediate. But trust God. As Charles Stanley would say, obey God, leave all the consequences to him. That's what he'd say. Obey God, trust him, and leave all the consequences to him. Because confession breaks the control of guilt. When I asked our overseers if they would come this morning, those that are here and just stand. The process, first of all, begins when we're willing to, to listen to God and we're able to hear his voice. Because you can't come on your own. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in your life that says, man, there's something you need to deal with. And as we close up here today, there may be some of you here that say, man, I'm not at the place of going to the person that I've wronged, but I surely would like to go to somebody that I trust and somebody that I know that loves me. These guys are going to be standing here at the end of the service, and if you just need somebody to pray with you, they're here. Maybe you're here today and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. What is it that keeps you from making the most important decision of your life? See the spiritual heart? Jesus said you better pay attention to it. Because everything that comes out of the mouth comes from the heart. Solomon, Solomon said above all else, everything that I've told you, he said, guard your heart because it is the wellspring of life. I don't want our church family to have to carry that weight around. I don't want to have to carry that weight around. I don't want to be the person that's on my deathbed that's one day saying, can I tell you what happened that I never told you? I don't want to be that person. But I want to break free. I want to experience freedom. I want to know what it's like to not have to work around with this weight on my shoulders that some of you may be carrying today. Let me pray with you.
Father, in the silence of this moment, the silence tells me is that our minds and our hearts are in tune to what's going on. And so I pray for us today because there may be things in this, in this audience, in this congregation, and online as people are listening that need to be dealt with, visits that need to be made, calls that need to be made, contacts that need to be had. And I pray, God, that you would allow us the opportunity to, to be responsive to you, not just to clear our conscience out, not just to feel better, because, God, we want to be responsive to you so that we can experience heart change. I pray today, because this is hard, yet this is so bold. It takes courage for us to be able to respond, and only Jesus can, can lead us in this. I don't want to be like little Johnny that's performing for other people and acting out for other people because somebody's got something over on us. There might be some things that need to be brought up, Father, that's been holding people in bondage for a long time. Give us the strength, the encouragement to be able to do that today and to drop that mess, to no more carry it around in the crevices of our hearts, to say, I'm not doing this any longer. But Jesus, I want to break free and I want to walk be able to walk in freedom with you with no hindrances, no chains. For the persons that need to come today, Father, would they come? For the person that doesn't know Jesus Christ today, even today, may they say, Jesus, I believe in, in the fact that you, you, that you came and you were crucified on a cross for me. Jesus, I, really, I believe that I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. So even today, Jesus, I want to trust in you and salvation that comes from you alone because you alone were the sacrifice that was paid so that I might experience freedom. May this sit down in the depths of our hearts and may we respond as you see fit and maybe we able to, to break free from those chains that so easily entangle us. Thank you for hearing us this morning. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.